Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're listening to the Kitchen Garden Magazine podcast, your fortnightly fix of gardening features, advice and chat. Subscribe and follow us now to never miss an episode. Hello and welcome folks to this first live stream from Kitchen Garden Magazine. We're all very excited. We've got the editorial team here so you can see Emma there at the bottom of the screen. And we've got Tony. And we're here to sort of chat around what we're doing on the plot. Um, and also to uh, answer any of your questions if you'd like to put them up on the screen. But uh, we're very capable of just waffling away about what's going <laughs> wrong on the plot, aren't we, really, this, <laughs> this month? Well, look, we talk about. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'd like to start on cucumelons. Who likes cucumelons? This is the second time I've grown them. I keep thinking... Everyone says how nice they are. I don't know if you, everyone's known. Well, this is the plant behind me, sort of a tra- trailing thing, and you get these little little melon-like fruits off of it, more like a cucumber in flavour, really. But they're just full of pips. I don't like them. So now I've grown them, I don't know what to do with it. If anyone's got any recipe suggestions, I'd be very uh, glad to hear them. You get a lot of fruit as well, don't you? I mean, like I, I've said to you before, people do people pickle them, so that maybe they they do better being pickled. It's a bit like pickled cucumbers. You got a pickling recipe, anybody? I'd be very glad to uh, to hear it before I throw it in the compost. I'm sure they'll make very good compost. <laughs> I'm sure somebody must love them somewhere. <laughs> I've actually never grown them, and uh, it's only because people like you, Steve, keep telling me how. You don't like them, so I've never really bothered. But yeah. I should. Actually, I'm scuppered if I come to have to write a feature for the magazine now, aren't I? I'm going to have to say, pretend I like them, and everyone in the world know I don't like them now. So. Yeah, one not to try. <laughs> yeah, you just need to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Some people do like them. We've had people write into us and say they like them. So, you yeah. know, it's a question of taste, isn't it? Everybody's got different tastes, so... So if yeah. there's anybody out there who actually likes them, let us know. Please do. Yeah. Any recipes? Oh. Anything to make them edible? <laughs> <laughs> so what, what about us? Yeah. What about something that we we all grow? Well, some well, a lot of people grow tomatoes. So many people oh. are saying their tomatoes are not ripening. 
it's been my worst worst year for tomatoes. Don't get to make everybody jealous now. Oh, <laughs> oh no, you're just bragging. <laughs> what are they well, doing? What variety That's a honeycomb, and there are some sun gold in there. Honeycomb, they're gorgeous. They're so sweet. You've got to buy. You must have grow honeycomb uh, oh. or, or gold. They're very similar, but they're so sweet. Yeah. But they're yeah. only just ripening. I mean, last week they were like all green and nothing was happening. So no. it seems really late. And I think it's just the well, lack of sun, I'm, isn't it? I'm growing some outside and inside and there's not much between them, to be honest. You just can't get the heat in the polytunnel or the, the greenhouse. Yeah. They're really yeah. slow. Yeah. This time last year I had I had zillions. Now I've got, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hardly got a meal out of them at the minute. Oh, I've, yeah, been, I've been growing a, I've been growing a couple of new varieties. This one, I don't know if you can see it. It's, um, it's Dora, and oh, it's uh, quite attractive. Tom oh, tomato, um, but they're quite they're quite sweet. Once they're fully ripe, they're quite nice. Yeah, that's the problem getting them fully ripe. I've got some yellow mimi. That's one I grew last year, and that's really, really nice. Nice and sweet. Little What's cherry top. Yellow Mimi. Oh, yeah. It's an F1 hybrid, so you can't save the seeds on that. And I have got um, the only... I grew loads of um, uh, big tomatoes this year, and the only one that's ripened yet is this ox heart. But um, yeah, it's lovely. It's been well to get that ripe already, I think, given the yeah, year we've had. I've I've got a new one here called called Marigold. It's it's a bit like Sun Gold, bit bit bigger, um, and I haven't really tried them yet. And this one isn't fully ripe, but it's okay. It's not not as sweet as you'd expect for Sun Gold, but it could be that it's not fully ripe yet. But when I picked one this morning, look what I found. Blossom end rot. Blossom end rot. It's only on one of them. So what? So that means maybe a, a lack of watering, or I mean irregular watering, and yeah, it looks like it. That. Yeah. Oh, Tony, um, you've got to get there with your hose pipe or your watering can. See, you've got yourself for that one. You find <laughs> some varieties are more prone, don't you? I, mm. I find. And I think it's to do with the breakdown of the calcium in the cells, isn't it, that causes it? Yeah. And I think maybe some varieties are just more prone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, definitely. It's only on one of them, so hopefully the others, you know, the others are still ripening. But yeah, it's probably down to me not watering as regularly as I should have done. Yeah. Well, yeah. we've got plenty of questions coming in here, so we better answer a few, I think. Okay. okay. We've got uh, first question is from Malcolm and Sharon Taylor. And they say they have a patio pear, leaves keep curling and turning black. Uh, no idea what you should do to help. Is this pests or positioning? It's in full sunlight. Um, well, just to get the ball rolling, I know I've got um, a wall train pear, and every year it gets a thing called pear leaf blister mite, um, which sounds a lot worse than it is. But you get little patches on the leaves really early in the season, which start green they're sort of like, like an olive green really just little spots but then they can gradually turn black as the season goes on and um, cover bigger portions of the leaf um, and then you find that um, the whole you know 
quite big sections of the leaf have gone completely black. So that's a possibility. Um, and all I do with those, there's no sprays or anything, just pick them off. Sometimes you get a whole branch, which is much more badly affected than the rest. So I just prune that off and uh, send it away. And don't put it in my compost bin. I send it away in the green, green council bin. Um, and it seems to stay at a reasonable level. You know, I don't get, um, it doesn't affect the crop at all. But you can get scab, can't you, on pear trees as well as apple trees. Yeah, and apple, yeah, um, dark, dark leaves, can't it? I mean, sometimes you can get an infestation of aphids very early in the year and you don't even spot them. And then they kind of, they disappear, but you're left with the damage and you've got curled leaves and then they go black. And yeah. if you look now, you wouldn't see any aphids, but the damage had already been done. So, you know, it's a possibility that, that, that that's happened um, earlier on. Um, yeah. In which case, there's nothing, you know, it, hopefully the tree will just grow out of it. Yeah, and sometimes if it's a dwarfing one, um, or if it's in a pot, if it's on a dwarfing rootstock, or if it's in a pot, it tends to be under more stress than um, a tree planted in the soil, you know, a normal sized tree planted in the soil. So a little more food and water might help as well. Well, we've got loads of questions. Um, so we've got. Uh, yeah, is Joe. I read the cherry article in the September mag, but I inherited a cherry on one allotment, but don't know which type it is for pruning. How can I tell? So really, it's more down to the type of cherry, isn't it? Whether it's a, a Morello type cherry, so a sort of more of a, a culinary type cherry or a dessert cherry. I think. But I think the key with cherries is just not to prune them any more than you can help, isn't well. it? You don't know, yeah, you don't tend to prune them too much, really. And then if you do, it tends to be more a thing you do in the um, summer, isn't it? Or just to That's take right. off, a few, just to take off a few, you know, any branches that are really crossing another branch or shading out fruit and that sort of thing, or overcrowded, or and and often shoots from the bottom of the of the tree. Um, but it doesn't want to be done too late, does it? Um, no, no, not really. If you if you haven't you, if you haven't done it, you need to, to do it now. But all I would do, yeah, it's really dead, dead, dying, diseased. Yeah. Bit. Um, and the occasional shoot maybe that's got really low. Sometimes with cherries, they get heavy crop, they hang really low, don't they? Um, yeah. Because you're not pruning, they tend to get longer and longer. So you could just tip back a few shoots, but I wouldn't do, I'd do as little as possible basically with that. So that's easy. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, oh, Muddy Boots. Hello, Muddy Boots. We know Muddy Boots. Hello. Yeah. AKA Nigel, um, friend of KG, Written, wrote a, a great. Um, well, I'm trying to tell I mean, you're not asking about parsnips, Muddy Boots. We know a lot more than I do. <laughs> a feature for us in February in the magazine. It says, uh, Hello, all. Had a great brassica crop this year, except for cauliflowers. Oh, yeah. yeah. Reaching the size of tennis balls. How have yours done? Um, well, I've got a confession, muddy boots. I'm absolutely useless with cauliflowers. <laughs> I think Tony's probably you probably had the best. Cauliflower. Uh, well, I, I didn't grow any this year. Last year they were a bit disastrous, to be honest. Uh, they, mine all blue as well. Um, they need a lot of looking after, don't they? Yeah, no, no, you just get, if the conditions are just not right one year, they just they do that, don't they? I mean, yeah. you, you know, you don't even always know what's caused it. 
Yeah, so, sometimes I've had, you know, in the same row, I've had a couple that have done really well and a couple that have just gone, you know. Um, oh, we had, all that dry, we had all that dry weather, didn't we, early on? Yeah. That would really put a lot of them under stress. Hmm. And even if you're watering, it's never quite the same as rain, is it? When you water yourself. And oh, sometimes, never. That, sometimes that stress causes it, doesn't it? Um, yeah, I think that's and then, we had, then we had a lot of rain. I mean, it depends where you live, of course, but I think generally that seems to have been the pattern. Yeah, mm. anything stresses them tends to make them bold, doesn't it, as you say? So, um, and we certainly had a, a, although we've had a lot of rain this year, we, had, we did have a dry, a little dry spell early on. So if that happened even when it's sort of early in there, while the plants are still young, it can affect them later on, can't it? Yeah. Nice, nice fertile, deep soil. Like plenty of plenty of manure under them, don't they? Although they don't want to be too much well, nitrogen. <laughs> too much, I think. Otherwise, again, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, not they're the not easiest. An, they're not an easy they're crop. Not the they're, not, they're, they're not really an easy crop, are they? I find no. So I don't think we've solved that one for you, Matthew Boots. That's. <laughs> but uh, so we're all useless at cauliflowers. But, um, <laughs> Put them in and hope for a good season. I think. Well, yeah. we, we know we know some readers are really good because we've had some fantastic pictures of cauliflowers come in. So there, there are people out there that probably consistently grow fantastic cauliflowers. Oh, but uh, I have to right. say, I'm one of them. Yeah. <laughs> Sadly. So we've got some more here. We've got. Um, uh, Chris, Chris Pitt, my main crop potatoes, Cara, have lost a lot of their outer skin. Will they store in sacks, is asking. Mm. I think if the, the skins are damaged, you're probably better, better using them, really. Yeah, um, I don't quite know what you mean by that, really. I suppose, I mean, what is he meaning they, if you're cooking them and they kind of, because I know sometimes when you cook them, they kind of, the outer skin kind of just, comes off yeah. comes away doesn't it i mean if they if they're looking okay and they're looking clean and there's, mm. there's no markings on them when you're bringing them out of the ground and um i can't see there'd be a problem really but yeah it's usually the outer skin to disappear isn't it it's so strange yeah um, the skins have got to be intact and fairly well, you'd say set, I suppose. Normally, you'd lift them, wouldn't you? Leave them on the on the soil for a few days if you can. If the weather's yeah. okay, they yeah. sort of hold them dry a little bit before you put them in the sacks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe that, you know, maybe that's it. It's kind of like it's almost like curing them, isn't it? It's kind of you say, mm. dig them and let them let them kind of cure for for a few days in the dry, and then and then um, and then store them. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'd prefer to use the ones that are, you know, obviously damaged. But um, yeah, yeah got one that one. Um, perhaps I don't know. Often the amount of rain, if you've had an awful lot of rain, that can affect perhaps not so much the skins, but certainly inside, can't it? it can make them watery. In yeah, it's integrating when you cook them, don't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we've had a question from Time Flight. How do you make? Oh, how do you make them go red? My stay green. Okay, in soup. I'm not sure. Is that tomatoes time flight? You might have to give us a bit more info on well, that one. I think that's tomatoes. tomatoes. Well, I mean, the, the old the old trick is is if you've got them in a greenhouse, it's hanging up bananas in the amongst the 
amongst the leaves, yeah. isn't it? Because it gives mm -hmm. off the ethylene gas, which then um, encourages the, the, the ripening process. Um, yes. that's, that's classic. People try that. But, I mean, well, I think people, every time, this, this time every year, everybody gets like this. Oh, my tomatoes are all green. And then all of a sudden. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. It only takes a week and... Of a, of a bit of nice weather or not even nice weather as long as it's reasonably warm and they just suddenly go don't they and you think oh what was I worrying about and then you've got a glut then that's um, good yeah. I mean obviously once you get I mean I think at the moment if they're still green I wouldn't worry but I think when you get beyond sort of end of August beginning of September if they're all green that's when it gets a little bit more because then the, the temperature's dropping you're not getting the sunlight um, mm. they don't tend to, they don't always ripen once you get right to the end of the season um, yeah. But at the moment, I don't think there's anything to worry about, really. No, no. My worry is that they're getting, um, well, the plants getting rot on them. I don't think I probably won't be able to see it, but it's got, yeah. um, it's getting grey mould, so it's gradually, that's gradually killing plants back down the stem and the trusses. Yeah. Are, yeah. And they've got all the vents open in the, you know, well, the doors open in the polytunnel, it's all well ventilated and air going through, it's still happening. They're just sitting there rotting this year but um hopefully um as you say you know within a few days even you can suddenly start to notice that they're going can't you yeah, yeah. Well, so i hope that helps time flight <laughs> so don't don't um, don't pull them up and throw away or put them in soup just yet they'll be fine i'm sure um we've got Anne and betteridge if the tomatoes get blight in and outside do the spores hang around for next year you know all about blight, don't you? That you got had that this year. I think I've actually got some blight on the indoor tomatoes this year. I've never had that before. Mm. Um, what I did was I, I spotted it really early and I went in really quick and very carefully took the leaves off. But I there were some I could see the spores, there were some spores, but I think it might those might have been grey mould. So I'm mm. done, I'm a bit sort of not quite sure really, but I mean, I would certainly, certainly in a greenhouse I, because I mean, I've 
I've cleaned out my greenhouse every year, but I occasionally will leave the odd sort of, I'll find the odd rotten tomato in the corner or the odd leaf. Do you know what I mean? And that's just the material that if you're not careful, you can get, um, you know, these, these um, fungal infections kind of remaining. So, I mean, I would, I mean, certainly if I've, I'm thinking I might, might have blight in the greenhouse this year. So my, I'm planning so once I've got everything out this year to absolutely really sterilise the inside of the greenhouse. I mean, I'm lucky that I've got, it's not soil, I've got, um, it's just paving slabs. So I use grow bags, but I, I probably will, you know, use something like Jay's fluid or, you know, some other, or some other kind Citrox. of citrox, yeah. maybe if you don't like that, don't like Jay's, but you know what I mean? Something, um, something to really sterilise literally spray all of the the framework and all of the floor um and, and just see if that will help and i think well, it's, 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 it's probably a good right. idea not not just for blight is it it's for, for, well, for no. anything because you know yeah, um, yeah just clean get give it a good clean and get rid of anything then doesn't it that's yeah. not a good link there i think yeah. that's the key isn't it? it will it will hang over from one year to the next on plant material like you say yeah if you've got potatoes with it outside and you get they're called volunteers, don't they? So once you've basically yeah. forgotten and left in the soil and they come up, they can be infected as well. So it's worth getting rid of all those. Because of course it's the same disease on potatoes as tomatoes, so it will spread from one to the other. Mm. So as long as you get rid of all the old um material and you like you say, like you're doing some Tony, you know, give it a good spray. I know, I mean it's it's, an, it's it's amazing how many volunteers you get as well. Isn't it? Mm. I mean, you oh. think you've made your patch, and the next year you've got all these potato shoots coming up uh, everywhere. Very, you know. So as soon as you spot them, pull them up, yeah. especially if you've had blight. Yes, yeah. and don't compost them. They very often regrow in the compost bin, don't they? And you've got the same problem mm. again. Um, so I hope that helps, Anne. Um, we've got uh, oh, Robo Tube saying hello to Muddy Boots. Um, and then um, he's asking, uh, does the trick of putting tomatoes in a paper bag with a, with a banana work? Um, we say, yes, it does, doesn't it? We mentioned that, that you can hang a banana skin over the plants near a ripening truss, and it gives off a ethylene gas that helps to ripen them, but putting them in a paper bag is just as good, or in a, in a drawer together, you know, in a, um, mm. in a, um, somewhere indoors will do that as well. Um, but we've got another pruning question from Miss Jo. Um, hoping to take over a pretty much untended plot which has some old apples on it. They don't produce much fruit, so I'm not sure how to prune to prune those. Um, again, I suppose it, with, with apples, you normally, although you, you can summer prune, normally if it's renovation, you do that in the winter, wouldn't you, really? Um, and if they're really yeah. bad, then you might even do it in stages over two or three years um, rather than just if you if you I think the worst thing you can do is give an apple tree any tree really, but give it a haircut. Um, yeah, I, my neighbor's done that. I did warn him, but all we've got now is a forest of little shoots which have come up yeah. and reaching for the sky, not an apple on them, but yeah. You're better off. You're better off if it's a really big old, you know, an old tree. You're better off taking sort of um, a few big limbs off, sort of in the centre, so to open the centre, to open it up, to create more space and air. You're better off doing that than, like you say, no, all over haircut. 
you've got them all over yeah. haircut, lots of just little trimming, little cuts. As you say, you get all these water shoots, which, um, you know, I mean, you find that it's interesting because my niece has had some renovation work done on some old trees in an, in an, on an allotment. And um, they did do quite a, quite, a, quite a hard cut. They took quite big branches off. But I must admit this year they've still produced quite a lot of a lot of growth and not a lot of apple. But I think that sometimes does happen generally. I think once you give if an apple tree's been left and then you give it a good prune, it kind of responds by going into sort of like quick produce a load more, but it will settle down. Um, and I think especially if you take some of these water shoots off, which you may have to do next summer, and you can tell the water shoot because they're bolt upright, they're like aren't they they're just they're really really whippy shoots they're really thin whippy shoots and you quite often grow bottle right and if you take them back right to the very base um and then if you get some that are coming off at the right angle you can probably leave some because they can form another structure another branch but quite often a lot of them will have to be just trimmed off yeah but wait until it's lost its leaves basically to do any yeah. major pruning Although you could, I mean, now there's no reason why you couldn't take off dead bits, diseased bits. Um, you know, if there's any canker on the on the branches, like you, you find split bark, um, and you might even get woolly aphids, sort of lots of fluff in there, which is aphids. You can cut those bits off now if you want to, but any major pruning in the winter, and then gradually over two or three years. But always worth keeping old trees, I think, because apart from the apples, full of wildlife aren't they they support so much wildlife um which can only benefit the rest of your plot really and and they're often varieties you know maybe old varieties that are just not seen anymore so it's always worth trying to keep them and and if you you know if you think it's a really nice apple and it's worth trying to find out what it is by going to one of those apple days or um if you you know if you find think it's something unusual it's worth trying to find somebody who knows you know that can help you perhaps um um, even propagate it so that you can keep it going because it's a shame to lose these old varieties, isn't it? Uh, and there's some some wonderful old varieties on allotments and uh, yeah. around the country. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We've got another pruning um, another pruning question here uh, from Anne and Wilson. Um, can you advise me how and when to prune my two-year-old espalier pear tree? So, although we've just said prune in the in the winter. If it's a trained form, like an espalier, just to confuse everybody, um, you quite often do that in the summer, don't you? There's um, summer yeah. pruning and winter pruning. I think winter pruning um, tends to encourage growth, as we've said, you know, always water shoots and things. Summer pruning is more of about encouraging fruit buds. So um, if it's already two years old, it should already have the start of a, of a shape. Um, so the question when to prune it, um, I'd say prune that in the summer. So you'd be pruning back any any growth, that, um, any excessive growth, quite hard really, back to one or two leaves from the base. And then just training in any other shoots that you want to continue making your espalier shape. Yeah, I mean, it's like we were just saying, don't give a, ha- don't give a tree an all-over haircut. But funnily enough, in the in case of espaliers and these well-trained trees, in the summer, you kind of are giving it a bit of a light overall haircut. <laughs> um, yeah. So that rule doesn't apply to these these very, very highly trained trees, fans and whatever, um, because they will produce such a lot of excessive growth in the summer. It's worth just, as you said, just just taking taking the, some of the longer shoots back. 
Yeah. Oh, we've got a question from Allotment John. Uh, every year on our allotment, badgers eat all the sweet corn just before they're ripe for picking. Incredibly <laughs> protected by chicken wire. Are there any deterrents we can use? Yeah. This oh, reminds me. I've got to tell you. I've got to tell you this story now because there was. I, I visited an allotment once. I was judging, and this guy was always having his sweet corn stolen by the badgers. And no word of a lie, he built a six-foot fence around his sweet corn. And he got into his sweet corn by, with ladders. So he used a ladder at one side and the ladder into the side of the thing. And it, and it worked. But it was a bit extreme. <laughs> it was. It was literally a six-foot, you know, panelled fencing all the way around it. Oh, well, there's your answer then. Six-foot fencing. <laughs> I know you have problems with sweet corn, Tony, don't you? But it's not badgers, is it? What was it? It was eating No, it's more birds. Um, I was just wondering yeah. about those defenders sprays you get. It's called Defenders, a company. They, 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 you can spray it on, on leaves and it, it deters, supposedly, it deters, deters foxes. And uh, I've used it and it's deterred rabbits and, and birds. Uh, it might be worth looking at that. You know, um, it's a company called Defenders and whether they include badgers in that, I'm not sure. Um, mm. But it's it's a it's a tough one. I mean, with with my sweet corn, I've just had to net it, but unfortunately, I haven't had any any badgers because the netting wouldn't stop the badgers getting through. Quite big animals. They're big animals and they're quite determined, aren't they? So it's not easy to. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's yeah. it. No, no, not not had badgers. For, had three foxes in the garden this year, but no badgers. And um, apart from eating all my frogs. Uh, they haven't actually done it down with nothing there, but um, yeah, yes, but they do keep emptying the, the pond of frogs. And we've only got time for a few more questions, I think. And they keep coming in, which is great. Um, Sharon, Sharon Wheatley, I find an eco friendly washing up liquid to wash the greenhouse down and then white vinegar is the best to clean and sterilize. So, top tip there from Sharon. That's good, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, who else have we got? Um, oh, RoboTube is um, asking about tomatillos. So he's grown them for the first time. Not all of them are filling the filigree balloon. That's a nice description. I like that. I like that, RoboTube. Filigree balloon. Um, when are they ready for the picking? Um, anyone grown tomatillos? I think I've grown them accidentally, more as an ornamental than um, to eat. Although I do like eating them when you get them on your plate in the restaurant. I, I do quite like them. But um, I think basically you have to wait until you can see them colouring up, don't you, the berries inside. You have to wait, it's just a bit waiting game for them, really. It's not quite yeah. ready yet. can be quite late, can't they? And the, um, the, the balloon around them goes yellow. You split that open, you should find them going red. Um, and, oh, have we got time for one more? We've got uh, Mary Doyle, who says, good morning, a total new to gardening. She just ordered her first polytunnel. And just wondering where she can get a beginner's guide for monthly sewing, etc. Um, well, a kitchen garden magazine, of course. <laughs> I'm the cover every month, which is for greenhouses yeah. and polytunnels. Um, but also one of our writers, um, Joyce, Joyce Russell, has done an excellent um, book on polytunnels. So if you want something yeah. just on polytunnels, yeah. um, that's everything from buying one to putting it up to filling it with, you know, all year round. So look out for Joyce Russell's Polytunnel book, I think. It's very good. It's really good. Yeah. 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 Well, I think we're more or less at the end there. I'm getting 
warning so we're we're running out of time um so thanks everyone for watching um thank you hope you've enjoyed it we've certainly enjoyed answering your questions haven't we yeah it's good. good sorry we didn't get through all of them um but uh, look out for the next live stream we'll, we'll be doing another one i'm sure um and if you can save your questions for them or then or think of any more then um you know please feel free to uh, to uh, join in again so we hope you've enjoyed it and uh, we look forward to talking to you again soon if you enjoyed this podcast you can subscribe to kitchen garden prime for just 4.99 per month You'll be getting a whole lot for your plot, including an easy-read tablet and phone edition to read anywhere, anytime, exclusive access to 10 years of digital back-issue archives, access to exclusive content from the online allotment, the Mudketeers website, plus the monthly print magazine will be delivered free to your door each month. Head to classicmagazines.co.uk forward slash kgprime to sign up today. 